She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. If taking two different new psychedelic substances on a trip in a new foreign country is the calm in the chaos, <laughs> it's like, whoa, what does your life look like, man? It was intense. <laughs> Things ran through him faster. Yeah. I think he threw up and, and everything. And every time you go to the toilet, there's someone outside like, what, what color is it? Oh! Is it, are you good? You know, and you're like, God. Basically, Shaman told me my divisions were very dark. Oh, God. Which is not like, you know, you're like, ah, oh, damn it. Of course. Why is it always yeah, me? Yeah. Of course. I share and then that happens. I, come on. It's us. Hi. We wanted to come on here for just a sec before this episode starts. Yes, because we recorded this episode pre-pandemic. 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 Yes. Yes. And uh, a lot of things changed since. Mm -hmm. It's about my first ayahuasca story about five and a half years ago. So that didn't change. That didn't change. That that still happened. That still happened happened the same way. Yeah, it happened the same exact way. (laughs) Pandemic did not change it. But... Uh, we were planning on going on another ayahuasca retreat about a month from now. We were actually going to be on retreat when this episode aired. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that got moved up. We've been on retreat. You're listening to Post Retreat, Julie Roxanne and Alistair. So and if we sound a lot wiser, that's why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, poof. <laughs> we've we've gotten a lot of insights. So but this anyway. is, yeah. So this is just to let you know the dates we mentioned. Just forget them. Yeah. They're not relevant. We shouldn't have mentioned dates. We didn't know that the world was always a mistake. Shit. Always a mistake to date yourself on a podcast. <laughs> and uh, we also want to let you know that we are hoping this is going to be what you're listening to right now, part one of a multi-part series exploring ayahuasca and really taking it deeper. So yes. we'll be releasing that hopefully, kind of slowly over time. Uh, and and we hope you enjoy. Yes. So this is part one, and if, in case you want to know what happened on our retreat, of course we got you covered. Part two with our retreat experience is coming soon. Here, but I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit. We survived. Uh. <laughs> well, hello, beautiful people, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Hey there, you're looking good today. <sighs> Me? Oh, no, I was talking to our listener. Oh! <laughs> You're like, looking good, too. I'm looking good, too. Looking I, thought, good too. I, I saw myself, I know. You don't need to tell me. I'm all right, good. all right, exactly. You're looking good, too, by the way. Oh, well, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a bunch of good-looking people here. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Well, today we have a really special one because we're finally talking about a topic that, I kid you not, has been on our list of topics to talk about since we started this podcast back in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We're talking about uh, my ayahuasca experience in Peru six years ago. 
Yeah, and it's actually for good reasons because we're going on an ayahuasca retreat together in a few weeks. Yeah, it's basically, we're, we're kind of, it's our honeymoon 2.0. Yes! <laughs> Which my mom said, it's great, you, your honeymoon is an ayahuasca retreat, you guys are crazy. Yeah. Yes, we are. Uh, it will be my first time, and so I thought it would be fun to uh, pick Oster's brain on his experience and share that with you guys for my own just curiosity and for yours, but also because it turned out to be a really beautiful conversation around how much you've grown over the last six years. And I just, I'm a big fan of like reflecting on the past uh, mm. and, and, and it sounded really nice to hear you do that. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. So tune in, you're gonna enjoy this one. It's a longer one, but hey, it's a story. We know you, you guys love stories. So let's get right into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Oh, good morning, Alistair. That was energetic. I love it. It was. Hello, Julie Roxanne. Hello, everyone listening. Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. It's great to have you here. It is great to have you we here. We say it every week because we mean it every week. Yeah, it's crazy that you are actually deciding to join us. Yeah. I, I just, I'm feeling very honored. Yeah. Thank you. Well, we have a first, okay, before we start, before we start, we have a big shout out to give out to our friend, Danny. Danny! Danny, we're shouting out to you because (laughs) Danny is our newest Patreon uh, member, Patron on Patreon, as of uh, a couple of days ago. So we are feeling extremely honored and thankful and blessed. And Danny is like the, the kind of person we talked to him last week and it was an overdue catch up. And I just get off the phone and I, I just want to talk to him every month. He's such a mentor. You know, he's like so much wisdom. And we interviewed him on this podcast. We did. He's an amazing man. I think that was episode 33. 33. Yeah. Uh, it's like crossing life's thresholds with, with going Danny. through life's thresholds. Yeah. Yes. yeah. He's got an incredible story. He had a whole back to the land life and then moved on from that and became a nurse and yeah. then kind of moved up into the upper echelons of, of like healthcare management. Mm-hmm. And he runs a podcast now that's really interesting. It's yeah. a very interesting perspective called Health Health Hats, Hats, the the podcast. podcast. And it's from someone very experienced in the realms of healthcare. So if that's something that's... He's worn so many hats in that realm. He himself has been a patient. He is a patient. He's a nurse. He's a a, a supporter. He's great. He's just a very, very kind man. Yes. And uh, we love him dearly. So thank you so much, Danny. Now we're starting to have a, a small group of you who are supporting this podcast financially. And we really, really appreciate that. We don't take it for granted. Yeah, so thank that, you so much, Danny. Thank you for joining the group. As uh, the French would say, it puts a lot of butter in our spinach. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't listened to this episode of the French idioms, like just get on it. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much, Danny. And if you're interested yourself, you listener out there, to follow us on Patreon, see what we're doing over there, and then also supporting us and getting all the goodies, you can do so at patreon.com slash couple. All right. Okay. So we have a bigger, like, I guess somehow we have a bigger announcement than this to start this episode. This is, uh, yeah, we're, this is pretty exciting. We're going on retreat and it's not just any kind of retreat. We are going to be doing an ayahuasca retreat. 
Yes, and we're participants on this one. We are not leading this one, no, obviously. No, I have no business leading an ayahuasca retreat at this point. <laughs> uh, and this is happening pretty soon here. Actually, yeah. if you're listening to this, we will probably be doing our combo retreat right before our ayahuasca retreat. Yes. That sounds crazy. It might be. In theory, the day this is coming out is the last day of our combo retreat, yeah. which is a three-day inoculation. So let me just explain quickly what combo is because I did this, I explained it to my brother and he's just like, you're doing what? <laughs> you're an idiot. Uh, so combo, it's the toxins from the skin of a, I forget the, it's a, rain, a frog from the rainforest down here in Central America. Yeah. In and the, they, the Amazonian jungle. They collect the the frogs not harmed. They collect the the uh, the toxin. It's um, like a slime. Yeah, basically a slime. And then what you do is you burn yourself so that you have like an, a gateway into into your uh, like a small burn, like yeah, an yeah, incense. Yeah, burn. we're not talking about like branding or anything, but just something to open up the uh, skin and you uh, into the frog slime into your body, and it's a. It's a form of healing. It's used in the rainforest by often by jungle men for hunting, for good luck and things like this. Um, but it's also useful for, it's basically, a, a, it lasts for about 20 to 30 minutes. It helps your body kind of uh, remove toxins. It's and, like a very potent medicine from uh, what I can tell. And it's also a great primer for ayahuasca, exactly. which is one of the reasons we're doing it. I think another big reason is that we're really curious. Yeah, just uh, curious. <laughs> <laughs> we can link to a few resources in the show notes of like you to, to listen or to read about combo. And it's, ayahuasca, we're going to get into this on this episode, but ayahuasca is a psychedelic. It's actually a mixture of several plants, but the main one being ayahuasca, which is a vine that grows in the jungle down here. And it's used in shamanic uh, journeys. It's used for healing. It's very powerful. The basis of it is uh, the DMT molecule. Uh, so it creates pretty strong visions. And uh, we'll be taking, we'll be going on retreat. It's a week-long retreat. And over that course, we'll be doing a series of four ayahuasca ceremonies. So pretty, uh, pretty badass, pretty intense. Like, yeah. And this episode is actually the beginning of a deep dive into this because we're going to bring on our ayahuasca shaman yeah. uh, next week. His name's Zach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we're going to have him on the podcast after this to explore how he thinks about ayahuasca from a facilitator role. Yeah, we're, um, we're excited to maybe bring this topic a bit more because I, I know you've had a powerful experience with it, and this is actually going to be the topic of today's episode because you have done, like, I've never done this, so I'm, uh, I've got the beginner's excitement, the, the naivete right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen the way he just braced himself, like, yeah, oh, God. Um, <laughs> But you have done this, what was it, six years ago? It's almost been six years ago, which is a trip. I, I can't believe it was that long ago, partly because the experience is still so vivid in my mind. Yeah. And so I thought, I was like, dude, let me uh, let me ask you a bunch of questions about, about your experience because I'm about to head into my first one and I'd love to hear your thoughts. And I thought that it would be kind of interesting to do this on the podcast. So here we are. Also... Full disclaimer, the ayahuasca story for, from Alistair has been on our idea backlog since we started this podcast in 2018. So yeah. it's long overdue that we did it, that we do this. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> All right. My first question on this is how, how the fuck did you even learn about this? So 
It's kind of interesting, actually, how it came up. I think I need to set the scene a little bit for where I was in life at this point. So this was six years ago. And you know what's funny? Actually, I was just looking at photos from from this time because it happened over a trip I took to Peru. And I was looking at photos just to kind of jog my memory on some of the aspects of it. And I was wearing the same shirt six years ago in the photo that I was wearing this morning. Yeah. On accident. <laughs> and and so that was really satisfying for me. And I was wearing the same hat that I still travel with. It looks a lot more beaten down. It does, which I like. <laughs> so so same hat that I travel with as I was traveling with six years ago and same shirt. And uh, and just another point of satisfaction that I originally got this shirt at the discount rack. Yes. Oh, man, I'm so happy I It was like 15 you. bucks. I'm so happy. And I, I love it. You. It was such a great it's buy. It's such a beautiful shirt, yeah. and I love stealing yeah. it from you. Yeah, and six years ago, and I wear it all the time. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> so a little, little side note there. Okay, here's, here's where I was in my life. It was a very kind of chaotic time. Mm. And I was reading through the journal entries today, and it was a little painful just to realize how lost I was mm. and how confused I was. It's kind of like, you know, something you like to remember but in a more mythological way. But when you go back to the details of it, you kind of cringe a little and you're like, mm. oh God. So how old were you? We just went through this. I just turned 27. Okay. Okay, got it. So this was back in 2014. And I was at basically a turning point in my life mm-hmm. in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And uh, one of them being that I this was basically the first thing I did after leaving my first job in which I had for about five years, I had started as an employee in the startup coming out of college and I had grown with the company and become the general manager. And I had made a pretty ballsy decision to leave that job. I walked into my kind of annual review where I think my boss was expecting to give me a raise and kind of negotiate that process, which always happened every year. Yeah. And I came in and just said, I'm leaving. And I gave him, you know, three and months. And so that and, was, you were 26 then, right? Yeah. Like you, you, because you planned this trip to Peru, we're going to get into this, but you planned this trip, this trip to Peru a year out. Yeah. So when you quit, you were, that was a year before? No, I quit about three, I quit like four or five months. I okay. can't exactly remember. I gave my first notice earlier yeah. that year. And the reason being was that I was going to join a friend on another business that I was passionate about. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was pretty like kind of dicey. Like there wasn't much income. You know, it was kind of a dream. Yeah. So I was basically going to go from a very high paid, secure, high status position to God knows. Mm. And there were some other things happening. At that point, I was not very happy. I had some pretty bad habits. Depression was knocking on the door. And Mm. I was having some pretty long, like difficult periods of depression that were just gripping me. That was starting to scare me because I didn't have control over this and I was going into dark places. Um, So that was also kind of the background. I was not healthy. I was really tired looking back on it. It's, you know, when the thing with health is until you're healthy, you don't realize how unhealthy you were. Mm -hmm. So at this time, I didn't really realize, but looking back on it, I was incredibly anxious. I was dealing with like pretty overwhelming bouts of depression And I was tired all the time, all the time. The way I would describe the kind of fatigue I felt was like, I'd wake up in the morning after 10 hours of sleep and I I would just be exhausted. And I felt like every day was like slogging up a hill that was completely muddy. That's Mm -hmm. that's just how it felt psychologically. 
I would soon learn. Um, I actually went to see a doctor about this before I went to Peru. And after I got back from Peru, I would be diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So I had a major hormone problem. Mm. And this this was explaining all those things, anxiety, fatigue, and depression, because yeah. it's at the root of a lot of those things. And at the root of that, or at least part of it, was I needed to make major lifestyle changes. I was working 40, 50, 60, sometimes 70 hours a week, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I was drinking way too much coffee. I wasn't eating well. I was partying on the weekends to escape the stress and anxiety, like the high, I had a very high stress job. Yeah. Uh, I was responsible for a lot. And I, so I was kind of trying to escape on the weekends and uh, I was being pretty brutal on my body. So this is kind of the background. Also, one other thing that might be kind of interesting to know is that I was in a long-term relationship and the woman I was in a relationship with was going to break up with me when I get back from Peru. And I didn't know this yet. So this That would be p- really weird, right? To be like, all right, I'm going to break <laughs> yeah, yeah. up with you when you come back. <laughs> yeah. Not right now. So this yeah. paints a, like an overall picture of chaos in my life. Yeah. Switching jobs, not healthy. Like I'm about to like go through a major breakup mm. uh, and I'm about to be diagnosed with a, a major health issue that's going to probably be with me for the rest of my life mm. so like on all fronts i'm not doing very well yeah and i'm trying to make moves to, i know I'm, I'm starting to wake up to it uh and i'm trying to make moves to change things and leaving this job was one of them because i was you know it wasn't a bad job but i wasn't fulfilled okay so how do you hear about ayahuasca okay so Actually, in, I was a part of a mastermind group at the time. And in one of these masterminds, we were doing kind of bucket lists. We were sharing our bucket lists out loud with people. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of bucket lists these days. I don't think about it that way anymore. But at the time, that was kind of inspiring. And I, and if you're into this, I recommend getting in a group of people and sharing your bucket list with other people. Very interesting what can happen there. And that's exactly what happens. I got really inspired about what was on my bucket list. So I went home and I asked my roommate at the time, a good friend of mine, Kevin, what was on his bucket list? Mm. So he shared and I shared and we had Machu Picchu was on both of our bucket lists. Oh. And so we decided kind of on the spot. All right, let's go. And we started making plans to go a year from then. Okay. And so for that year, we kind of planned this trip. And then in that mastermind group, again, I had a friend who had been to Peru and he was talking about ayahuasca and I had never heard about it. And mm. this is probably how like you know, six months out or something like that. But I was, we weren't going to Peru for ayahuasca. And he mentioned this and I was captivated, fascinated and very curious. So we started looking into what it. What did he say? You know, he just talked a little bit about his experience about, you know, you take it out in the jungle and, you know, you get visions and it's kind of, it was kind of a crazy experience. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of it's a good travel story. Yeah. And I was taking psychedelics and I had never heard of this. And so I found it interesting. Yeah. So we started looking into it. I found a retreat center just outside of Cusco and we booked a retreat. So what kind of research did you do? Like, Not did very you much. Just, you just like, you just had the call? What, what, how did that look like? Yeah, we were interested and we just looked online and there was a place that made logistical sense because we were going to be spending a lot of time in Cusco. We For half the trip, I was going to be there for about three weeks and half the trip was going to be on this kind of tour we were doing mm-hmm. uh and actually we were going to be taking another psychedelic substance on that tour <laughs> which was it's it's called san pedro uh, or uh, in its native tongue it's called wachuma which is a cactus yeah so we had already planned to do that and it was part of a bigger 
tour, seeing Machu Picchu and some of the sacred sites of Peru. Had you already taken San Pedro as well, or was that going to no, be your first time? No, that was going to be new too. Wow. So you did you when you started planning the Peru trip around Machu Picchu, and I'm using air quotes because now it seems like it's just going to be a huge psychedelic trip. Yeah, well, that that came in a little bit later okay. as we saw the possibilities for that. We yeah. also had a whitewater raft. We did a three-day whitewater rafting trip, which was phenomenal. I've never seen stars like I, I saw there because Peru, we were in the highlands of Peru, so it's really high up. Like, mm. you get off the plane and you're feeling sick. And first thing you do is go buy some coca leaves because uh, mm. you chew these and helps oxygenate you and reduce nausea. Mm. So... Yeah, the the stars there are just absolutely amazing. So we had a really, it was an epic trip. It was a once in a lifetime trip for me. Yeah. But these were different parts of it. And uh, yeah, we both kind of felt the call. We didn't know a lot about it. And we didn't do a lot of research, to yeah. be honest. We just found a place that looked fairly good. Price was good. Uh, logistics were good. It fit with our, our time frame. A lot of people that go to Peru go up to Iquitos, uh, which is in the northern section, which is in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. This is traditionally where a lot of ayahuasca practices originate from because uh, ayahuasca grows in the jungle. Mm-hmm. So that's where a lot of people go. We didn't have time because that's actually a flesh. So we found a place that was actually doing it close to Cusco. Uh, and honestly, we hit the jackpot. We got really lucky. We had some friends that actually went up to the jungle and had pretty poor experiences. Yeah. And, and what I've heard since is it's really a crapshoot. If you go up there, you need to be careful and you need... If you can get recommendations from people who've had the experience, it's a good idea because there's a lot of different people doing a lot of different stuff up there. And tourism has definitely impacted these ceremonies. Uh, you have you know, money becoming a motivator. You've got a lot of people going up there and not asking a lot of questions like me. And uh, so you have people taking advantage of that situation. Yeah. So I would definitely strongly recommend you do your research, find a place that's reputable. If it costs more, pay the price. It's absolutely worth it for someone that knows what they're doing and takes us seriously versus someone that either isn't taking it very seriously or may even have not the greatest intentions. And that's all happening in the jungle. Yeah, so I guess... I think this is a good place to say if if as a listener you're you're hearing this and you're like, whoa, I want to know more about this substance, definitely do your own research. We're also, as as we said, gonna have our our, our shaman, our facilitator on the podcast, uh, hopefully next week. And he's got over a thousand ayahuasca ceremonies <laughs> under his belt. He spent five years studying in the jungle. We'll talk more about him next week, but he's gonna come on and really set us straight because uh, I'm speaking more from oh, my yeah. experience. Um, but I don't know the plant intimately like he does. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's important to mention, like, this is really your experience. I'm asking the question around, did you do more research? Because I think different people will need different things. Some people might just dive into the research and just get really expert before they decide. I, I think, look, I heard some stories. I, I had read a few experiences. I had a general idea what ayahuasca was. Sure. And I had some psychedelic experience. Mm-hmm. So that's what I had. And I think, there, you know, people ask, They've asked me like, oh, should I do ayahuasca or whatever? And I, I only have one answer is, are you called to it? Do you feel called to doing something like this? Mm-hmm. If you don't, stay the fuck away. Don't do it. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, like literally it can make you shit your pants. Like it, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not trying to, like, it's just, it's uncomfortable and it's difficult. Yeah. It's amazing and beautiful too. It's incredible. It's very powerful. But if you don't feel called to it, 
don't do it. But if you I do, I think that's feel, probably true to any of any like yeah. of these like substances. But, yeah, I, I think it's very powerful. So I think it's very important that you personally feel drawn to it and that you feel you have business with it. Otherwise, I think you're 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 playing with fire. All right, so you get to Peru. You, I don't know what happens once you get to Peru. So you organize this whole thing and now it's actually happening. So take us through that, uh, whatever happens. Yeah. So Peru, you can imagine this three week time in Peru between me transitioning out of, of my general manager position and into like another startup that's unproven with a partner kind of like really felt like we were kind of cowboying it Mm -hmm. on that. This is the eye of the storm and looking back on it, this is really, really true. Yeah. Uh, but it's like, this is the calm period in between chaos on both sides. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was going to be a tough time for future Alistair. But <laughs> but so just, I think it's good to get the historical perspective of where I am. I just want to point out that if if taking two different new psychedelic substances on a trip in a new foreign country is the calm in the chaos. It's like, whoa, what does your life look like, man? It was intense. It was, it was rough. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So the fr- I think, I can't remember exactly the, the timeline, but we, we had spent at least a week, I think it was like more like 10 days on this trip, actually with a friend of mine, Joey Greenstone. He still does trips mm-hmm. uh, in this, to the sacred sites of Peru, and he still leads Washuma mm-hmm. experiences. So we'll link to him in the show notes uh, sure. because because he's a great great facilitator and a good friend. So we had an amazing Wachuma experience. Wachuma is more thought of as like a father spirit. It's a cactus. It's incredibly bitter to drink. Mm. And we had it kind of in the middle. Of, like I think this was before we went to Machu Picchu. It doesn't really matter. But we were we went to the Sacred Valley. We went to Pizac. We went to some of these like beautiful places in Peru that are just amazing and uh we took wachuma which lasts for like 18 hours or something how do you crazy. take it is it like a drink yeah it's a really bitter drink it's, it's like a, a juice or like yeah a, it's, it's, it's like a thick or? cactus uh, it's really disgusting blah. yeah and it has this kind of father spirit it's like very gentle very strong colors and and, and visuals but it's kind of soft in a way mm-hmm. and so we spent the day doing that in the night because it, it lasts pretty long then we come back to Cusco and we're done with that kind of part of the trip and uh, we're getting prepared for the ayahuasca. Do you start freaking out or are you just like, whatever, just going? No, we're nervous. We're definitely yeah. nervous. I think the whole time we're like, is this a good idea? What <laughs> the hell are we doing? <laughs> uh, but we're in Cusco and the retreat center is in the hills outside of Cusco. Yeah. So I, it's like 30 minutes, maybe 60 minutes. But first, we have to we have to do a cleanse. Mm. Uh, so there's a couple of things you have to kind of change your diet a little bit. One of the key things is that you're not eating pork. Mm. Um, that is a big no no, and apparently doesn't agree with ayahuasca. So you get punished by the, the plant if uh, if you're doing that. There's a few other things you want to avoid: alcohol. You want to get off drugs. Yeah. So no caffeine, no alcohol. You don't want to be taking any any pills that you don't need to be taking. Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff. You want I've to- also heard no garlic and onions because apparently the plant doesn't like that. Or salt because it's very grounding and then it prevents the plant from taking you, like just, you know, taking you where it needs to take you. Perhaps. I don't remember those things. Whatever. But there there are some, basically you want to simplify things. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had to do something else though, which was uh, we had to report to an office in Cusco 
and they called it a volcanic water cleanse. Uh, <laughs> in my mind, when I first hear that, I'm like, okay, like springs, you know, like, yeah. you know, no. So they have gallons of volcanic spring water, oh. which is really disgusting. It's very high like in minerals, sulfur. super, su- super high in minerals. It's like very salty. And basically we had to drink massive cup after massive cup of this stuff until the way they described it, it came out the same color it went in. Oh, wow. Man, that's that, that can take a while. Yeah, it took about 15 cups. Uh, and these are like your big plastic, yeah. big, big cups, like 16 ounce, maybe 20, 22 does ounce it, Does it cups. like make you want to release your bowels as soon as you drink the first cup? No, like, is that, no. no. And no, for, well, so my friend Kevin had an easier time with this. Sometimes some people will vomit. You're drinking a lot of water very quickly, but they want it to come out the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's really not fun, and it's really difficult to drink. It makes you sick yeah. after a while. And you can't just drink one after another. It's so high in minerals. It's really I wonder really if tough. it relates to uh, preparation for colonoscopies. and you Yeah, know, yeah, it's to of, clear you yeah, out yeah, completely. Okay. They want wow, to clear you out. Man. So you're drinking this, and their advice is to run up and down the stairs and do jumping jacks. <laughs> So they have some like <laughs> creaky old stairs. And you got to imagine this is like, when I say office, it's like a room in Cusco, you know, like it's like you got tile floor and then like wood plank walls. Oh and, my God. And we're running up and down the stairs and doing jumping jacks and then chugging big glasses of volcanic water <laughs> and just feeling really sick. It was really unpleasant. And, but my friend uh, was able to kind of, Things ran through him faster. Yeah. I think he threw up and and everything. And every time you go to the toilet, there's someone outside like, what what color is it? Is it are you good? You know, and you're like, God, this is this is weird. People are checking in on me about about the color of my poop. Yeah. So uh so Kevin was finished like pretty fast, like in an hour. I think it took me like two hours, and I had to drink like another five cups. I oh, had a, two hours is not a long time to yeah. be like actually going to the point where you're pooping water. Yeah, it may have been it may have been a bit longer. It was not fun. Yeah, no, that's um, no. It, it was very sound unpleasant. Like it. The, it, this whole time, do you just think like why? You know, like yeah, the, what are we does doing? The, yeah, does the the questioning increase there? Because yeah. also you. You know, you found this place online and stuff, but this is like... Yeah, it's a bit of a leap of faith. Yeah. We have no idea of what we're in for, and uh, this doesn't seem like a really great start. Jesus. All right, so then what happens? They take you up to the... So you're all clear. You're all... You're pooping water. Yeah. Everything's doing yeah. great. And you're... Uh, they take you up to the retreat center. Yeah. What happens there? Because I like... I think what I'm interested in is obviously... Psychedelics are such a hard thing to put into words, and and uh, in no way am I asking you to share your experience or whatever. If you're not comfortable, like I just want you to share whatever you're comfortable sharing. But I'm just curious what happens because you mentioned to me that this ended up being a silent retreat, and you didn't even know. No, we didn't know. It's oh a three God. day retreat, so we're going to spend two nights there, and we're going to do two ayahuasca uh, ceremonies. And uh, yeah, we. <laughs> showed up and then we walked onto the premises and then she's like okay now begins noble silence and Kevin and I looked at each other and like what oh my god uh, and 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 she's like yeah while you're here other than ceremony or you know whatever there's no speaking oh my god and more than that there's no reading 
there's nothing. You you can journal and you can meditate and you can do yoga, uh, but you have to be completely with yourself. And there's no forms of distraction. And that scared the shit out of us. We're like, this is not something we were used to doing at this point. So that that was pretty scary. And then we also found out we'd be fasting. Oh my God. Um, so we would have a meal in the morning. That would be our only real meal. And then we'd have some snacks uh, just around noontime. And then we'd fast the rest of the day. Wow. So it was a bit more intense than we were planning. So were the days pretty empty? Because besides the ceremony in the evening, what else is there? besides? Not like, very are much. You, we're are in the hills, so there's nature. Uh, but we have a lot of time to walk. Uh, there's mint tea we could drink. Go mm-hmm. sit down by the creek. I did a lot of meditating. I did a fair amount of yoga. Took some naps. Did some journaling. These are basically your options. There were a couple other ceremonies. So I think that after we arrived, we did a tobacco offering and we also did kind of a forgiveness ceremony to kind of prepare us. Mm. And uh, that first night we had our first ceremony. And the, the way it happened was it's not like we showed up and it was a cohesive group. It's like some people were already there oh. and some people would be leaving the next day and, and we were arriving. So it's it was like we were on retreat on our schedule, but it might not have matched with everyone else's schedule. So we actually, the first, no- the first night, there were a few people that had were doing their final one. Mm. So you go up into what's called the sunroom, uh, which is like a second story uh, of this like kind of really basic house, yeah. basically, in the hills. And, um, and you take ayahuasca at night. So we... So describe to us, because what does that mean, taking ayahuasca? What, what form do you take it in? Yeah, so we walked up to this room and there's mats on the ground. And next to each mat, there's a bucket. Mm. And so we all, and, and it's getting dark now. So we're waiting for it to get dark. We've been sitting down, I think, in the kind of downstairs. And it's cold as hell in Peru. Mm. Like, we're in the mountains. It's really cold. So there's a fire going. It's kind of rustic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we hadn't really realized what we were signing up for, that this was going to be more of a spiritual retreat in that way. <laughs> of course, looking back on it, it makes sense. Yeah. But, like, the intensity of being quiet all day, like, that can stir up a lot of emotions if you're not used to doing that. So the psychic energy was already pretty strong, you know, and there's, and of course, now we can't even talk to each other about how nervous we are about this. And as you get closer, it starts to get more solemn, like more serious. The sun goes down, you know, it's around the corner. You're not really sure what you're in for. And so we go up to the sunroom and then you see buckets and mats and you're like, okay. Uh, So you, at this point, maybe don't tell us more, but at this point, did you know what the buckets were for? Um, I think so. I think I th- I think I knew. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that was a surprise. Okay. Uh, the buckets are for purging, <laughs> uh, if you didn't know, which is an important part of the process. So we got up. Um, we all picked our mat and bucket, and there there was a shaman kind of at the head. He was Keshwin. Keshua is one of the Aboriginal tribes uh, or the Indigenous tribes of Peru. Peru is not Spanish. They were conquered by the Spanish. The Quechuans speak a different language. And so we actually didn't really, like, we didn't speak the same language. There was actually a translator, not for the ceremony, but for integration periods after uh-huh. that would help us. She was she was also Quechuan, but she was younger, so she knew English. Yeah. I think she was only like 15 or Whoa. something. Yeah. So there was a shaman. Uh, he had some instruments and, and kind of dressed in in his in his clothes, colorful clothes, uh, 
The Peruvians have beautiful, beautiful fabrics. Mm. Uh, really, really, a really beautiful sense of aesthetics too. Just so much color. It's really, really beautiful. Uh, but he kind of, he had like snake rattles and some other things. So we all sat down and he did another, I think we had another kind of tobacco ceremony. The tobacco spirit is considered kind of a guardian spirit. Mm -hmm. So often uh, we did this also with when we had Wachuma, but you use the tobacco spirit to ward off evil spirits or kind of as protection. Okay. So that happened. And uh, he, I think he blessed every glass of ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is this thick potion. Like I drank it, it has berries and twigs in it. Like the, it's gross. It's pretty nasty. It's not as bad as cactus because cactus, you can just imagine like a really boiled down bitterness mm -hmm. to it. That's just like really hard. Uh, it's disgusting. Ayahuasca is not much better, but it is a little better than Wachuma. Yeah. Uh, in my in my experience. But I do know that um, my uh, our, our Wachuma shaman makes his Wachuma very strong. Okay. So <laughs> that could also uh, be, that could be have it. something to do with it. So do you, maybe we'll, we'll ask that next week to, to our, our shaman, but what is ayahuasca? Like, is that a, a, a root? What is, how do you... So... From what you know. It's a you, vine. Yeah. Uh, but it takes another plant to kind of release its active properties. And there's different there's different recipes for how to, to make this. And, and different shamans use different things. So it's an art in itself to make the final drink that you drink. All right. So you drink berries and twigs. Well, there are a few berries and twigs in there. Think about like a, a smoothie shake that just tastes really, really bad. <laughs> Um, is it is it cold? It's not. It's not. Warm. No, it's not cold. It's he's serving it out of like plastic bottles, you know, because like they they make it wherever, and then they put it they ah, reuse, like, okay, plastic okay. bottles, yeah. and so it's not great. We put this down. You know, it could take you, depending how how strong you are, um, a few minutes or ten or fifteen. But you try to put it down as fast as you can. Yeah. And it's dark at this point, and you're with a bunch of strangers that you've never talked to. And you, your shaman doesn't speak your language. So that's kind of the setting. And it's a small room. It's not huge. And you sit there, and you wait. Because now you're waiting for it to come back. This generally takes, like, anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour, depending on, on how you're doing. I think everyone had purged. I was the last person to purge. I really struggled to let go. Mm. Uh, and, and that... That's definitely, I think, a thing that happens for some people, but I had a really hard time letting go. In fact, they had to give me a second glass of ayahuasca, a second serving, and I drank that. And as soon as I finished it, I finally purged into the bucket, and I was crying as I purged. It, it was really difficult, and I, I purged. And they have assistance there. And so as soon as I purged, they come over, and I think they had some sort of scent to, like, help like, so that you don't smell the vomit. Mm. And they have these, like, beautiful, like, kind of bird fans that, so you, so as soon as you purge, and when you purge, the medicine starts to really hit you. Because, like, yeah. now, now it's getting into your blood. And so I purge, and I'm, like, like, fireworks in my mind all of a sudden, as mm. soon as, as soon as I threw up. And, and then the, the assistant comes over, and you can just hear this, like, almost this, like, ghostly, like, She's Which is fanning like, you. Yeah, he's fanning you. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of to like get rid of that the the purging, right? Because uh, like you're yes, getting yes, rid yes. of this 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 stuff, and then they lie you down, and then you're off. 
so the whole thing is done overnight. And you're basically there. I think the first night we started at eight and it goes into the early hours in the morning and you can leave and go to bed when, when you, when you want mm -hmm. and you just lie down. You don't, you don't get up or do anything. You're, um, it's, it can be pretty strong. Uh, yeah. the, the first night I didn't have very strong visions actually. Um, I had a few, but it, it was, it's kind of interesting because <laughs> here I am having a few visions like here and there. Yeah. Uh, but, but cause ayahuasca is a thing where you really, at least my experience was that like, you can struggle to let go. And if you try to hold on, your ego can kind of hold on to reality mm -hmm. and not let the experience happen. Yeah. And uh, there's all sorts of reasons for holding on, like fear being one of them or just not knowing how to let go. And and I definitely struggled with that some the first night. And I know people struggled with it. I, uh, I've heard that from other people as yeah. well, that the first few times you do, uh, ex like you travel with medicine that it can that it's hard to let go or that you can have not that many visions or not that strong an experience because it's, it almost like it has to be invited in or you have to be able to let yeah. go and want it to happen. Yeah. There does seem to be some sort of conversation that has to happen with the plant. Mm. And if you're not willing, you can very much limit the experience. Mm. That, that was my experience of it. Um, and, and it's terrifying in a way too, because like, as I found out the next night, like letting go of control really means letting go of control. Mm. Like you're not in control. And, and, and this is the, I mean, if you haven't taken psychedelics, this is like, this is the challenge of psychedelics is that when you yeah. lose control, you don't lose control. Like you lose control of how you're experiencing the world. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, uh, and you're in everything. Right. So, so that can be difficult. And that first night, like there was, I remember, Because there was a couple of people that had been there already. So this was not their first. I remember one woman that was like singing. Like she was just like laughing in like tears of joy. Mm. And just having what sounded like the most incredible experience. Turns out it was for her. It was, yeah. And then, and then there's a man on the other side who was curled up in a fetal position crying. Mm. And like singing to himself. So like oh. you have this like really kind of crazy environment like people can react very very differently and then i i over here like you know i had a few visions but it's like nothing that's going to put me in tears or yeah. in the fetal position uh and then you have the shaman who's kind of judging the the spirits in the room and the energy of the room and he's singing uh he's he's singing songs basically mm. or or playing music very kind of otherworldly music mm. and stuff but i didn't realize how important the role of the shaman was until then, because you, especially on ayahuasca, you really feel like, oh, wow, he's here in this realm. He's in this spirit world with us and he can see what we're seeing. Mm. And, and he's able to like kind of protect us and, and help us journey through it. So I realized, and I was like, wow, this is really, really important. Wow. So that was the first night. Um, so, yeah, so your first night is is like uh, getting to know the it plants. It was an initiation. And, and was, also, I can see how that would be confusing to have people who are already on their second night. Because one thing that you've told me and, and I've heard elsewhere as well, which is ayahuasca builds on itself. So the more you will, t like if you take it the next day, you'll have a stronger experience. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't know this at the time. Oh, yeah. uh, okay. Okay. 
One of the visions I had on that first night, uh, it was very much an initiation and it was very much like questions were posed to me. Mm. And, uh, and I had to do some work the next day to kind of, to work on those. Uh, but one of the things that happened was there was a, just a one dangling light in the middle of this room. Just imagine a light bulb by a wire hanging yeah. out in the middle of the room. And uh, at one point I looked at, I, I opened my eyes and I saw the light and it turned into a serpent, which is very common. Uh, ayahuasca often shows up in the form of snakes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very common vision to have vines, vines things like that. Yeah. yeah. And it turned into a serpent and it looked at me and it started talking to me, like kind of like Slytherin. Yeah. Like if yeah. you know Harry Potter, it was like that, although I didn't understand what it was saying. Oh. But it was speaking in a different language. And I, and I was speaking with it, but I didn't know how I was speaking with it. Uh-huh. And, and it was threatening. And said some things and then I asked I asked it you know are you are you good because I I was told on my Washuma experience that you can ask the spirits if you don't know you can ask it if it's a good or a bad spirit Mm -hmm. and uh, you can ask them to leave too and so I asked it what kind of spirit are you and then it like turned to me and then the ceiling uh if you kind of imagine Alice in Wonderland, like the ceiling came in, like oh, the wow. whole the room shrunk around it, like in really, in really uh, unreal ways. Like yeah. it just completely warped, and then my space came really close. Uh-huh. It was terrifying, and uh, and then it left uh, after that. But it, and I kind of interpret this now more as like it was asking, "Are you serious? Are you?" Mm. Um, do you, are you really here? Yeah. And then I was given some visions later, kind of a question that seemed to be posed to me. One that I'm still trying to, that I still work with today quite a bit. So that was the first night. The next morning we all got together in the morning and we kind of integrated what we had. So people were invited to share their experiences and we heard some crazy stories from other people, which was also a little confusing because for me, it's like, okay, some things happened, but nothing on that scale, nothing on that order. And then we were also invited to go talk with the shaman via the uh, translator. Yeah. And I tell our, our visions, the shaman, I actually shared my vision in front of everybody and then it was translated to the shaman. And then the shaman said some things in kind of a grave tone, translated back to me in front of the whole group. And uh, basically, the shaman told me my visions were very dark. Oh, God. Which is not like, you know, you're like, ah, oh, damn it. Of course. <laughs> Why is it always yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I share and then that happens. I, come on. Oh. This is actually a theme of my life. When I have oh, visions man. that they end up being dark, usually. Oh. It's happened in other places, too. Uh, but he also he also said this is common, yeah. especially in the beginning. Sure. It's part of the purging. So that was that was my experience with that first. And and so I, I spoke with the shaman. And actually, I remember before we even started ayahuasca, we went and spoke with the shaman because he asked, "What is your purpose here?" Uh-huh. Oh yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, why are you here? <laughs> why the fuck are you here? And I remember I, I told him that I was I was lost at this time. Mm. And I was, I was, I had come for direction. I had come for some sort of understanding, yeah. for some some purpose in my life because I was feeling directionless, and and uh, and this is kind of where I realized through some of the things the shaman said that like I was truly lost, spiritually lost. Mm. Uh, like it really hit home during that conversation, and it really hit home how insecure I felt 
and how scared I was to the point where like, I remember at the end of that conversation, like my, I was like kind of, my eyes were welling up with tears and I was kind of trying to hold it back. Mm -hmm. But it really hit me like that. I think I was doing ayahuasca because I was, I was, I was looking for some sort of direction. I was feeling pretty lost. Maybe I had some intuition that this this might help. Yeah. So I had gotten some advice from the woman across from me that actually had this really amazing ecstatic experience. Yeah. Um, Because she was leaving that day and she said, just do the work today. You know, journal, meditate, practice, like work, you know, set your intention. And Mm -hmm. I promise you, I promise you, you will have the visions that like I had. And so I kind of took, and I'd I'd been given a similar instruction by the shaman, which was like, he gave me a question and I needed to answer it basically. So I worked with that and worked with what I I had seen, what my experience had been and and these kind of, um, this advice. I did a lot of yoga, meditation, resting. How freaked out were you that day? Like, I mean, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm kind of living the story with you right now and, and trying to put myself in your shoes. I would be terrified leading up to that second ceremony. Yeah, it was pretty scary. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And like being like, and you don't get to share it. with You anyone. don't, you can't share because it's noble silence. Yeah. You're all alone. You're really like, this is a moment and you have where nothing you probably, to distract you. You yeah. don't even have food. Yeah. You just probably realize uh, this is one of those moments where you realize that, Oh yeah, you live alone, you die alone, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all yeah. really a, a lonely journey after all. Yeah. There, there, I mean, you are with people, but there is a sense where you're doing this for, for yourself and by yourself. Yeah. And now that you kind of know what to expect, it's scarier mm-hmm. uh, because it's not particularly easy or pleasant. Yeah. And that second night didn't get off to the greatest start. Uh, we were sitting down in the main area. The fire was going and it was getting dark. And we, the people we had had the experience with yesterday left. Uh, and you make strong bonds without even talking. I think that's like probably one of the things where I say not great job on that retreat center. Like that's really unsettling to have the group shift like that, you know, like it's it's, just a different perspective. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So they had left and we were waiting for the, there were other people we heard who Mm -hmm. were coming and I think it was, it was just us and we were waiting for this other group and we didn't know who they were and they came late. Oh uh and it, i think it was seven men and these were like these were like uh kind of your north american grizzly men oh, like boy. they all had beards they were all from the midwest and and maybe like that area they're pretty built bulky in stature very like masculine you know oh my god wearing the big boots you know and like kind of flannel and stuff and they're like you know, probably anywhere from their like late twenties to to forties. Yeah. But like, and it was like a group of men that had all come together. So they that's all... a very special energy. That's like a very particular energy to yeah. bring to the room. So we're all, but and I was nervous at this point because because they had come in late. They hadn't bought the supplies. They'd been asked like you're asked to bring toilet paper and things, mm-hmm. and they hadn't. And it just felt like early on, it's like man coming in with a disrespect for this. And, like, we knew what we were going into, and they didn't. Yeah. And it was very disrupting. And then it was also, like, how am I supposed to be vulnerable with, like, these men here? Sure. Like, 
Yeah, it was very disconcerting. And so we got off to a really late start. We didn't sit down for ceremony until 10 o'clock that night. Whoa, that's a couple so hours late later. To yeah. Yeah. Um, so everything was feeling like, oh man, this is not gonna go well. Mm. Like just you just get that kind of dark feeling where you're like, and you're you're stuck in it. Like yeah, yeah. you you're like you the only way is through, but you have a bad feeling. So that's where things started. I, I felt pretty unsettled. And so Second night, we drank the ayahuasca. I think I picked the same seat the first night or somewhere close to it. And this Creatures time, habits. yeah, this time, well, you, you need some. I sort know, of I, I, I would have done exactly the same. <laughs> it's, it's a very grim scene in a mm. way. Like you're going up to the second story of this very basic house. It's dark, it's cold. Uh, you're leaving the fire. Like there is a sense that you're going into the darkness. Yeah. And Even though it's called the sunroom. It doesn't yeah. help much. <laughs> it's not sunny today. It's yeah. not sunny right Who now. Who came up with this name? <laughs> <laughs> so this time, I was the first to purge. Hey, uh, I, I took you out. Celebration. And, and what, what I've learned later is that ayahuasca is cumulative, which mm -hmm. means that it actually will, you'll have a stronger effect yeah. if you take it multiple nights in a row. It kind of builds up. I didn't know this at the time, but this explains because I was surprised why the first night I took two full glasses and didn't have a strong effect. The second night, I took one glass, purged immediately, and then I just blasted off. Wow. It was it, it was completely different than the first night. It, there was no sense of like I had some control of it or not. It was like, whoosh. Yeah. And I was gone in a different world. And... I'm just curious, beyond the purging, can you, can you, do you remember how it feels in your body? I, I know it's so hard to explain psychedelics, but there's just, is it, is it heat? Is it cold? Is it like, you just feel like all of a sudden you don't have a body anymore? Like, I don't even know if I, if I could explain it, that it would help because yeah. I think it's so different for everybody. Sure. Yeah. It's, ex it's very intense or it was this time it was like a rush and it yeah. was like a, it was almost like a. It's like my spirit was on the bus and the bus was leaving. You know what I mean? <laughs> I and love that metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I, I lay down quick and I, I knew I was like uh, off. But it didn't start great because one of the men across from me was having a very difficult time early on in the experience. And he was, he was like moaning, no, no, like very loud. Oh, God. And... The shaman was was like actively working with him, and was it only the shaman? Like, were, did he have assistance and people who could did. do some of the energetical he, work? When he, he did. When he, he had a, his. I think his wife was up there as mm -hmm. well, and I think there might have been one other person assisting. And then there was also assistants that were doing some of the more logistical sure. things, like the buckets and the fans. Yeah. And, Making sure people could find the bathroom. Yeah, because I was going to gonna have to say, you, you, you might have to go to the toilet. Yeah, you do. Like, so, you having do. to stand up on ayahuasca. So they, they'll, just... they'll guide you to Whoa. the toilet. And you have to go, you have to navigate stairs to, oh to the toilet. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. So in the dark. That sounds really hard. Yeah, it, it, it's not easy. So the so shaman's taking care yeah, of the He's moaning person. and kind of, at, you know, in terror. Yeah. And I'd find out later, he thought his face was melting off. He thought he was dying. Yeah, And this was going on for like 30 or 45 minutes. And another, his friend was kind of playing with him. And, and what I interpreted as kind of a wicked way, but I don't know if it was, but like everything's distorted at this sure. time. 
but but like so like a lot of it is it is completely colored by like your what's happening and how you feel but and so another guy was like kind of moaning back like yes yes like kind of plant like mm. i don't know i don't know what the spirit was but i interpreted it kind of like as like as, jokey or, yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of sinister in a little bit of a way Ooh. and so he's like He's over there, like torment, like tormented, and kind of moaning and almost screaming at this point. That his face is melting off and he's dying, and it's take. And this is just like, uh, it was just like I was begging to God it was going to stop oh, because because it takes you into such a dark place. Oh. And and I was in a very dark place at this point, partly by that. Yeah. And one of the realizations I had was basically that at some point I realized like I could be at the effect of this. Or I could consciously like kind of take control of my experience and I could respond to it. It was a really, and it was powerful because it was like, I had to do, I had to make this decision in a very active way. Mm. It was not a passive decision. And I chose to kind of em- embrace it or, or, or act differently toward it. And that changed the rest of the experience for me. It's hard to put into words. There was a lot of uh, a lot of visions, a lot of things that just sound really ridiculous out of context. Sure. But at the crux of it, uh, I was visited by what I interpreted as like they were basically like light beings. Mm. And I interpreted it as just like beings that didn't need a body and that vibrated at a higher level that I interpreted as like as love. And these beings visited me. I also kind of interpreted them as guardian angels. They seemed to have a relationship with me personally. Mm-hmm. You know, I might also now interpret that as like a projection of my soul or something. Or, or I, I would be more inclined these days. Although I will say it was a very, it very much felt like something external mm-hmm. in this experience. But um, through a lot of like my understanding of this and processing it now, I would be more inclined to say that this was a psychic experience and that I was working with things within me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be the way I would interpret it. But honestly, it's at that point, the lines are so blurred. It really doesn't make sense in or outer. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say. I tend to, it's been helpful for me to think about it in that way going forward. But this experience did a couple of pretty phenomenal things. One, it anticipated the diagnosis of Hashimoto's I was about to get by my doctor Mm. a couple of weeks later, which, and I had no clue of this, but uh, it had directed my hands. um, And because at that time, my hands were like balls of fire and, and that, had this like very healing presence and I could put it on my body. What I've been told later, I've never really got into this is Reiki. I was using this kind of energy in different places to heal your body. I was doing that intuitively. And the two places I was doing it extensively was my throat and Hashimoto's is a thyroid, so, uh, a thyroid disease. So your, and your thyroid gland is in your throat mm. and my, my gut, my stomach and Hashimoto's is also very closely linked with um, uh, IBS or irritable, irritable bowel syndrome yeah. uh, because it's an autoimmune disease. And so it's the stuff that leaks into our blood, mainly through our gut, that, that is a symptom or kind of causes this, this autoimmune reaction. So the gut and the thyroid are the two things in Hashimoto's that you really focus on healing. Wow. And uh, I was intuitively performing some sort of Reiki on them uh, and I'd never done Reiki. I didn't even know what it was. Did, yeah, yeah. And I still haven't looked into it much, but someone uh, someone told me, like, it sounds like you're doing Reiki. Mm. Um, and so that was part of the experience. And that's one thing that's always blown my mind since is that it seems like I knew 
or, or I was being told or whatever, however you want to interpret that outer inner, but some, there was a wisdom greater than me that, that was pointing me to what needed to be healed in my life. And the other thing that happened that was very, very significant was that as being, um, God, I can't tell you the bliss. I've never felt bliss like this. Uh, it was like a pure joy, a pure love. And it was a vibration. Like, I think the closest way to describe it is if you chant the word om. Mm. So, om. If you do that and you feel the vibration that that gives you, and it's kind of om, that is kind of the vibration of of unity, right? Of, yeah. of God or whatever, however you want to interpret it, of all that's greater than us. And I understood that because during this experience, my body felt to be like, vib- my, my lips were trembling at like an unnatural speed. Mm. And my body was just this, this overwhelming vibration that was going from the top of my head down to my feet and back up, almost like this ring that mm. was like, he- it felt like a healing presence. And this has led me on my spiritual journey ever since because, well, one thing, I actually ended up chanting on to the group. I, 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 and this was part of that realization that I could, react and respond to yeah. the group i actually felt that i was called to like help the group and be a guide and i started i started doing different loving kindness meditations and chanting om out into the darkness you didn't even know about om back then i i knew about it like okay. superficially um, okay. but i i realized very quick that it was the same vibration that these beings mm. were like kind of transmitting into me or that i was feeling but at a very like, if you if you chant Om and you feel that a vibration, you'd have to multiply it by a thousand to yeah. get to, to the sure. like to the. It was rocking me from like my inner being yeah, to yeah. like it was so strong and intense and it was so blissful and and just absolutely beautiful, and so this really, I had never not now I completely understand the Om chant mm-hmm. and I I've used it ever since and I've realized that this is the same vibration that's just dialed down quite a bit but it was the same vibration that i was feeling through the ayahuasca and side note we we like to chant om together before recording or anytime we feel like we're out of sync and we need to sync back up we just do like five or six ohms together the first two were a little bit out of whack and then after we kind of sync on the same level and it is super powerful it's a beautiful way to connect with somebody if, you, if you'd like to connect on an energetical level mm-hmm. quickly That's and ohms an interesting word because it starts at the back of the yeah. throat and oh and, and you bring it all the way to the front mm-hmm. and so it's this very very complete round, round sound yeah. sound of god so that was a major connection just for me realizing that at an experiential level. I didn't know very much about homage, but at, as soon as I said it, I knew that was a vibration that I was feeling. And going back to the way I described this as like almost like a ring that was going up and down my body from mm. like the scalp to the toes. You know, this ayahuasca experience was basically, I describe it now as a spiritual awakening. Mm. It, it was, it, were, it really woke me up. And it took quite a while. I mean, I'm still trying to, I think, answer some of the questions that were posed to me and live out the the story that was given to me through ayahuasca. And it's left a lot of breadcrumbs along the way. And 
and I don't know, there's different ways to think about this, but I, to me, it seems like I had a soul encounter. And I think I, ever since, have been noticing things in the actual world that have some connection to that experience in, in what I would interpret was my some experience of soul. And occasionally I'll meet somebody or I will... Or what do you mean by soul? I would, I, I mean, I think that kind of vast inner realm, I would say that it, it's probably the wellspring of, of my being. Mm. And in some ways it's kind of unfathomable, but it's like, you know, there's, uh, there's a good description. I think you can kind of think of spirit as like upwards and kind of spirit with air and like uh-huh. energy and right, like and going up into the, the heavenly realm. Yeah. Well, I think soul is actually a downward descent into kind of the earth okay. and and the dark kind of murky places. It's who we are. I think this is all often where we find like our values, our purpose, our, our personal, the things that are personal to us. Mm-hmm. Whereas I would interpret spirit more as a more of a universal um some, I interpret soul as more something that's very personal. Okay. Um, so I, I think that's how I would think about soul is this kind of inner, this inner part of me. So you feel like you had an encounter with that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it, it's almost like it almost has its own desires or, or uh, agenda. Like it's not me on an ego level, right? Yeah. Like in some ways I have to learn to submit and surrender to it and go and have a conversation with it. It, it seems to have its own wishes and yeah. its own knowing and visions, and it doesn't communicate in the same ways that, that, that we communicate. So it's in a way, it's, it is a little mysterious, but I feel like ayahuasca particularly, but also other psychedelics can have, help you. You know, if I were to use an, another word I would use is the unconscious. Uh, and this is kind of Carl Jung's way of thinking about some of this stuff, but the personal unconscious, which is kind of, where everything comes from it's this kind of vast infinite space mm-hmm. that that everything comes out of yeah and when you take psychedelics you are going into that unconscious realm and this is how i think about it as like perhaps the things i was seeing were projections of things inward perhaps those beings were projections of my soul perhaps some of the other spirits i experienced were psychic projections of, of other entities or, or, or beings within me. Right? One thing that comes to mind is maybe, maybe there is no outer and inner, you know, like, as you said, yeah. I think when you get to that level, you realize, and granted, I haven't taken ayahuasca yet, but I've, I've had experiences with other psychedelics and there is a sense of just unity and that everything is both me and not me and that I'm both everything. Yeah, it's and very not paradoxical. And, and yeah, there there's a sense of unity, and 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 so I'm sure it cannot like this is why words at some point. I think for some a, people it may be more useful to think about it as something inside, and uh-huh. for some people it may be more sure. useful to think about it as something outside. Yes, and maybe some people somewhat of both, and yeah. I I tend to fall in that category of somewhat of both, uh, sure. because for example, there's been experiences since that have reminded me deeply of what happened and I followed those threads and Mm. it turned out to be very important. Mm. I found a healer in Santa Cruz that spoke about similar light beings that just described it in an uncanny way. And I just knew I I needed to spend time with her. Yes. And like, I went up after she gave a lecture and I just went up after like, I need your business card. We need to talk. 
and I've I've had a relationship with her ever since. And actually, there's a funny story behind it because she's the one that told you to that you needed to go to India. Yeah, and uh, you were in India, <laughs> so it, this is what I mean by breadcrumbs of the soul. Yeah, is is that I felt like I there I I was given something. And it's I like it, trace it. It's almost like it's giving you not necessarily a map, but a signpost. Every so just often. like okay, this you're you're here. You made it here. Like keep going, yeah. or you know something like and, that. And you know, you you see those as like you need to follow those. And it is interesting because I'm sure that if we were to talk to someone else who had a very different intention in going to ayahuasca, they probably wouldn't describe anything like what you did because it makes so much sense that you you would use the term breadcrumb signpost when your encounter with ayahuasca happened when you were lost and you were looking for direction. Yeah. Well, I think the language. I, I mean, I've been. I've spent six years trying to develop a language to yeah. understand what happened, and I'm sure it's flawed in a lot of ways, and it's deeply personal. Yeah. But the, that's the thing: is that this experience, in some ways, I think it was a myth. It gave me a, a myth to follow, and for example, one of the things that happened is that light. One of those light beings reached out and like pierced underneath my chest, just underneath my heart. And it lit like a fire and I could feel it there. And the message was, I've lit this fire. It's now your job to protect it and, and grow this fire and share it with others. And that has been kind of the guiding myth for the last six years of my life. Mm. It's been, and it's been really, really vibrant for me. And it's been really alive. And the experiences I had on ayahuasca have informed They've changed. Like they're not. It's it's fluid. Mm. I've been working with them, and new meanings come up um, as I go, and new ways that it connects to different things. It's been a very dynamic experience, and it's informed a lot of my life ever since. And it's helped me make meaning out of things, and it's helped me make some decisions. Like I don't consciously say, okay, well, what did the ayahuasca story say? Okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. But like it's definitely influenced me in very deep ways. And another one of those ways very quickly was going back to this ring. Something that struck me is I ended up in a Vipassana retreat uh, a couple of years later in Nepal. And if you've been in Vipassana, one of the things, one of the part of the Vipassana method is they basically teach you a method of meditation. It's a body scan, basically, mm -hmm. where you go from the top of the head to the toes And you're kind of going throughout the body in almost the same way that I was doing at a very intense high level yeah. on ayahuasca. And what's actually interesting is that when you get to higher levels of practice in Vipassana, you get to a point where you feel that everything's vibrating. Yeah. So. And so the Vipassana tradition seems to be speaking very of very similar things to what I experienced on the ayahuasca, which is what struck me immediately about Vipassana, which is why I've continued practicing in that tradition, because like I couldn't not see the, the similarities and the parallels there. And it's kind of mysterious to me how that's been. And I feel like ayahuasca has kind of given me a vision and shown me certain things. And now I'm, I'm kind of discovering them or, or following those, those things as I, as I find them in other areas of my life as, yeah. a, as a sort of truth. Yeah, and I feel you're also sharing your myth. I mean, your experience and your work on trying to find language to explain your experience, it's giving me language to explain similar things or, you know, like other 
like we were talking about vision yesterday and purpose and 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 I had a I had a thought of this light in my in my heart that I need to cultivate and grow and give to other people and that is language that comes from your own personal myth but it's been useful for me to think about my own journey with that language it might not be useful for everyone but it's kind of magical to see that that you went and kind of retrieved that myth from somewhere deep in the in the cave and you've brought it back out and you can you're sharing it with people who might benefit from it yeah and i think you know, if you think about what, well, okay, what's the purpose of myth, right? In general, one of one of one of the utilities of myth. Well, myths are a type of map. Mm. Um, they're a way for humans to kind of make meaning, find their place in the world, and also kind of find their direction. W- what should I do? Where should I go? Like, where where are we going? Right? Yeah. Where are we from? Where are we right now? And in a lot of ways, that's what ayahuasca did for me. Mm. That's what this experience did for me is it gave me some some point on the map and it gave me some direction. Now, that direction has taken quite a while to unfold. It's not like I came out of it. I was confused. I came out I of was it confused. Gonna, I was going to ask you, I was going to kind of, because you've talked about the journey since, but I'm kind of curious, what does Alistair, 27-year-old Alistair, think the day after that ceremony when he, get, when he gathers with everyone else and, and shares the story or so, doesn't? I'm still like very much vibrating with a lot of love mm. and I, like there's a lot of afterglow to the experience and like I can still feel some of it, but it's clearly gone. Like I'm not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and and I, I'll say a couple other things about the experience really quick, which is that it's also scary because my experience was there were, there were also other spirits like, you know, and they're very autonomous mm. and not all of them felt like they, they had my best intentions at heart. There, there did feel that there were malevolent spirits yeah. in this world. And I felt profoundly vulnerable. Like, there, I did not feel I had... I was in their world, mm-hmm. not the other way around. And it was scary in that way because I, I felt absolutely vulnerable and almost blind in a way to some of the experience I was going through. And there were other spirits in, in this world that seemed to have an independence and a way of moving around and, and like, this seemed to be a place they were comfortable with. Mm. It was a very un, unworldly realm. Yeah. Uh, and, and almost at times I felt almost like being on the moon mm. or something. And I could hear these sounds like almost this like astral wind that mm. would kind of blow through. It's like very dark and empty, like ghostly place, mm. like specters. And and you just hear these. And I started making these sounds out loud. Um, I don't know why they were comforting to me at the time, but there was a lot of like clicking sounds. Yeah. And then also this like whistling of wind through like empty canyons, just this like. And I was, I was in this place mm. and I was like blissed out at this point, but it was a really, really strange place. And and I got the feeling near the end that like part of my role on this this experience was to help others that were in the room. And there is a really odd way that you connect and seem to be able to communicate with the, the energies of other people, even though you're sitting lying down with your eyes closed in the dark. And you've never talked to them. And you've never talked to them. But I had this feeling that I was helping and I was I, I was playing a role of, as a guide to mm-hmm. some of these people and that the sounds I were making were comforting and helpful, even though yeah. they were alien and strange 
And oddly enough, the next morning, the guy that was sitting next to me came to me personally. And at the end of it, of course, we all felt like brothers. Yes. There was a totally different experience. We felt like family. Was it just men that night? Just then? men. Yeah. Thank God. Because I was like, oh, maybe there's only one woman <laughs> and like seven men. Oh, my God. That would be such a terrifying environment to do my first ayahuasca experience. Oh. It, uh, so we came out of it like just a very strong feeling that we had all gone through something together. Sure. And the guy came over to me and he said, thank you. I felt like you were guiding me last night. And it still gives me like shivers (laughs) to think about because there was no communication between these things. And so that was that was a really interesting experience. Wow. So yeah, bring us bring us to that that circle, that that processing integrating circle the next day. Like what happens? Well, I was ecstatic yeah. that I had a vision. Yeah. And I turned out now <laughs> I was the woman from the day before. Yes. And it was sad because these men actually only came for one uh, oh, trip and what? a few of them didn't have any vision. Oh. So it's really weird because like here you can have someone that's just blasted off like me yeah. and you can have someone who's who's not able to let go at all and has yeah. almost no vision. Proof that it's like a partnership between you, yeah. between you yeah. and the plant. It's not just like something that takes you on their no. own trip. and, and not. Comp- I mean, I guess at strong enough doses, you probably have no choice. Mm. But um, there does seem to be some sort of, you play a role in the, in the experience as well. And so the next day, I was ecstatic. I shared this. And, and actually, Kevin, my friend, had a pretty strong experience too. And mm. so we were just like, just overflowing with joy and love. (laughs) It was amazing. And it was, it was life changing. And I wrote it down immediately because I just like, I knew this was important and I needed to write it down. Um, But I was really confused. I was still trying to make a real commitment to this new startup. And there was a lot, there was a lot that was unclear. Uh, It was very uncertain. And I had kind of put myself in a very precarious place by leaving a little bit before it should have. And I was really at a crossroads trying to decide, like, okay, is this the way forward? Is there a different way? There was, I was really scared, and uh, I really felt like I had kind of jumped into a void, and I wasn't sure what was going to catch me. So it was a really strange time in my life, and the vision was really strong but like, and powerful, but it doesn't give you an answer. It, you know, it kind of... The, sh- the shaman... It almost asks more questions. Yeah, than- yeah. And, it, and it's like the shaman says... Uh, he said on this retreat, you know, ayahuasca can give you a vision, but it only ever brings 50%. You you have to bring the other 50% and act on your vision. Mm. So, like, the realm of action, you still have to do. And that's terrifying, right? You can have a really powerful vision and it can tell you really difficult things. And you can't, sometimes you can't see beyond the vision. Like, the vision's an internal vision. It's a, Sometimes it's a feeling. And you're going to have to make difficult choices without knowing how it's going to play out and so it's pretty scary and nothing's conclusive you don't come out of it with an answer you just can like i was confused and i i knew something important had happened um but i but it didn't give me any answers to what i needed to do next week and it's only you know the vision has gotten more and more powerful over the last six years but it's and and it it's really worked on me. It's been working on me ever since. And I feel like as I've responded to it and worked on it, it's grown and kind of flowered. But I really think it's very possible that had I left that vision in Peru, nothing would have happened. 
Mm-hmm. And I, you know, yeah, it, it wasn't like a, a foregone conclusion that that was going to change my life. Yeah, it was yeah. the work I've been doing with it since in partnership with it that I think has been really, really transformative. But that has been scary, active, and very difficult in a lot of ways and continues. And it's not like there's one, I mean, it changes and the the meaning of it is different in different circumstances. And that's something I'm always going back to and saying like, what does, what is this trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? Actually, I wrote a poem about this experience that maybe I could share. Yeah. So this poem actually came to me last year while we were on a train in France. And uh, I think this is sort of the myth. It's not just ayahuasca, but it encompasses that. But this is kind of the myth that has come out of, out of this time in my life. There once was a boy who was lost and afraid. A darkness had come and it grew every day. He tried and he tried, but he was never enough. He ran and he ran, but he could never keep up. He was anxious and tired all of the time. He didn't understand why he never felt up to the task. What's wrong with me? Why don't I fit? He would ask. First he ignored the question, preferring to remain in a stasis. Then he panicked, searching for answers in all the wrong places. Do what he might, the darkness kept knocking. He was scared it might swallow him body and all. More terrified still was he to heed his own call. But then life asked him a question, one that gave him direction. New courage was found, his heart danced and sung, a fire sparked a life where before there was none. It came with a message, guard this, don't let it be smothered, help it grow and share it with others. Well, I've read this poem before, but I will say that listening to it after hearing the entire ayahuasca story and the reflection on the last six years, way more powerful. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I feel like I want to say that if we had had this conversation two years after your ayahuasca retreat, this probably would be a very, very, very different conversation and interpretation. And yeah, it's, it's really beautiful the way it's grown with you. Something else that really stuck out to me during your, your story was when you realized that you could be at the effect of the experience of the other people that you could choose to experience it differently. And this is just one of those things that I, I think why psychedelics and, and plant medicines are so powerful is because they take us on journeys that mimic life and we can, this is such a, something that can be applied to every moment in life. We can always choose to be at the effect or to be choosing the way we feel and choosing like actively making a, a conscious decision of I'm not going to be at the effect of this. I'm going to respond differently. And um, yeah, that's, that speaks to me a lot. Yeah. I think it can give us some pretty powerful insights that are still very hard to live on a daily basis, but you experience them in, in a way. And uh, I think, you know, the other aspect of this that's really powerful is that it it can give you a vision. It can show you something. And uh, that can be kind of a guiding light uh, later on. I for, for me, you're right. If I had spoken about it two years after, it was very, very different. In fact, a lot of my studies, my reading, my travels, a lot of my journey since has been to try to make sense of what happened and also to try to honor it and answer it sincerely 
From all the ways you've talked to me about it, it seems like it was probably the turning point of 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 your life. Or yeah. it, it just, as you said, it was like the calm, the eye of the. the it was the eye of the storm. Yeah. It was the it was the epic dividing moment. Mm. Uh, there was before that moment in yeah. my life, and there was after. Mm. Well, I think now the question that is on my mind and with which we can uh, probably wrap up this episode is, how do you feel going into another one of these? <laughs> Knowing that you only took the medicine twice last time and now you're going to take it four times. How do you feel about like what we're about to embark on? Um, I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a important experience for me that you know part of you just wants to leave it as it was mm. and and not revisit it yeah i knew immediately that i i would come back to ayahuasca but i knew the time wasn't then i knew that i'd been given what i needed and and but i knew at some point i would need to come back and there was more business to be when done when did you start feeling the call again you know i think probably about a year ago i started to feel like I wasn't quite ready, but I was starting to feel like I was warming up to the idea. Yeah. And then us being in Guatemala, and, and you started to become ready for it too. Mm -hmm. And so it started, you know, for me, it's like going back to it, it's like, I am excited in a way, but I'm not really looking forward to it. It's like, it's a challenging experience, and I know it's important, and I feel the call. I feel that it's time to go back and continue that conversation. But it's weird because, you know, I was looking at the pictures and I was reading the journals this morning from six years ago and I'm such a different person. I've gone through so much since then. My whole life has completely changed direction since then. And I attribute that to being a big part of it. Mm. Not the only part, but a very big part of it. And um, so it's weird to be coming back to it now because I feel like I'm also revisiting an older state, like a different a different Alistair in a different time in my life. So it feels a little, a little strange. Wow, thank you for listening. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so happy about this podcast because it gives me the opportunity to like pick Alistair's brains in ways that, you know, you never sit down with your husband or, or partner and just be like, hey, can I ask you a question for an hour and a half? <laughs> like that? It's true. It's yeah. a lot of fun. And this is a story that's very, very close to my heart. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited because I know friends and family have heard it, but, uh, I, I, it's hard to tell this story because it takes so long to tell it in its justice and there's much that I've skipped over in sure. that. So I, I'm excited for people, especially people close to me, to hear that story mm. and, and hear you know, what it's meant to me six years later. You know, you asked me how I feel about going into another ayahuasca retreat and I think nervous is the word I would use. I'm, I'm nervous. I keep thinking like, I just feel really excited and I know that I'll be terrified leading up to it but right now it's it's in a month as as we're recording this episode it, the retreat starts in a month and I'm just excited and I know I recognize how much of that is just pure naivete and and not knowing which you know has its merits oh yeah it's yeah. great it's naivete great is powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm liking this I'm enjoying this time of life where I feel like I can be naive about so many different things later on it's, it gets harder because you've had more experience 
Well, let's wrap up. What do we do? <laughs> what do let's we bring do? it back down to let's earth. Let's bring it back down to earth. Okay, well, if you've enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend or sharing it with your social media audience and yeah. just... If you do so, tag us. We're on Instagram at The Far Out Couple. We just love seeing the episodes that you resonate with. That yeah. makes us so happy. It does. And uh, if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode, and if you're enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review. Yes, we know a lot of people out there who are listening, who are true fans, who are doing all the things to support us. And we are so grateful. Dude, just leave, it, leave us a review. Like, we, yeah, your words are beautiful. Yeah. It's really great to see In the different you. ways people sh- people talk about the show, and uh, it's it's all love. Yeah. So we, we would really appreciate that. The last way you can support us, as we mentioned in the beginning of this episode, is you can uh, support us on Patreon. We put out new content uh, every once in a while, more or less every month, but sometimes more, where it's bonus content just for you, just to thank you for being a supporter on a financial level. This podcast takes a lot to put together, and we have so much fun doing it. And seeing the support come from you guys, it just means the world. And you can access all this, these Patreon goodies at the $3 a month level, which is like less than a dollar per episode because yeah. we put out weekly. And if you find these podcasts interesting, you're going to find the bonus content interesting because oh, yeah. it's all supplemental material related to topics we discuss on the podcast. Yeah. And sometimes it's material from our guests, little freebies and bonuses. Yeah. Um, so we'd love to share that with you. And we'd love to just grow the tribe. Yes. Yes, for sure. So head on over to patreon.com slash couple and uh, you can support us there. In the meantime, we are so thankful you're here. Just you being here means the world and you don't have to do anything else than being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.